And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 156. What? 156. So happy to be here with you. Sorry, my lighting is a little messed up. I got the the light, all this, but the first day, the sun comes out the first day here in the Northeast in like six weeks. And I happen to be doing the podcast here in the home office. And uh, so the lighting's a little off, but that's okay. We'll brighten it up. It is show number 156. Happy and proud to be a member of the Education Podcast Network, uh, run by my friend Chris Nessie in New Jersey, Voice Ed Radio Canada, Stephen Hurley, uh, up there in Canada. Great podcast. Check them out. Check out both of their um, their work. It's, it's really great to be associated with other people that are trying to make great podcasts. Uh, and we're live here on Facebook uh, and uh, going to iTunes and social media afterwards. If you are watching live, thank you so much. Leave us a comment or question. We are going to meet Suzanne Carbonero. You think I'm a lot of Marada. She was the first Alada Marada, and that's my sister. Suzanne is the uh, Director of Academic Partnerships at APHIS. Uh, and uh, we're going to learn more about that organization, but I know she's killing it. I know she's doing great work there, and she's an educator. She's a teacher. She's a coach. She's a writer. She is Alada Marada. So looking forward to uh, talking to Suzanne. The sponsor of the show today is me. That's right. I do want to talk to you about my uh, my coaching uh, and mastermind groups I have coming up. I'm just finishing a winter session, and I am going to start a spring session. There's six courses. They're going to be on Tuesdays at 4 o'clock, and it went great. I had two sessions on Sundays. Uh, I'm going to do them on four, at 4 o'clock on Tuesdays now. Um, really a small, intimate group of school leaders talking about best practices, talking about our, our victories and our struggles, and really uh, uh, just great. So uh, check this out. It's on my website and uh, the flyer here. Uh, you can learn more information about emailing me, andrewmaradallc at gmail.com. Uh, but I'd love to uh, have you reach out if you're interested. And I loved the first time around, two different groups, great educators from around the country. So I hope you'll consider joining. We're going to meet Suzanne Carbonero in a minute, but I'd like to tell a story. I got a few stories about Suzanne Carbonero, but this one uh, has the theme of standing up for what you think is right. Uh, we got mom watching here now. Hi, mom. It's great. You're my number one fan. I appreciate it. When I know there's just one person watching, I know it's you, mom. Um, but anyway, my mom and dad always taught us to stand up for what was right. Sometimes it was uncomfortable. Sometimes it was, uh, uh, you know, difficult situations. But they taught us to stand up for what is right. Denise Bollinger, Denise Dix is watching. She knows some of these stories as too. Denise, maybe one time just for you, I'll tell the, the kickball story with the concussion. You know all about it. <laughs> That's another story for another day. But anyway, Suzanne was the first Marada of our family, the first child and uh, was my role model growing up. Uh, you know, she was my big sister. She still is my big sister, but 
one of these lessons, I was a paper boy, <laughs> Denise. I was a paper boy in my local uh, neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I wanted to do a good job. My parents, my mom and dad, Dory, thanks for watching. Uh, you know, wanted, wanted to do a good job with the paper route. If the people wanted it in their mailbox, they put it in their mailbox. If they didn't mind it on the stoop, right, I did what they asked me to do. So one day I go on a Saturday to collect the money, right? You got to get the money. And the lady says, well, you're not getting a tip today because the paper was wet yesterday. And here I am, you know, 13, 12, 13. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. And I kind of, you know, was upset, right? I didn't get a tip. And 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 uh, just kind of like, oh, man, I screwed that up. And I came home and my sister Suzanne saw, you know, something was on my face. Like, what's wrong? You know, she said, what's wrong, Andrew? I said, well, this house yelled at me, you know. Paper was wet, you know, yesterday. And she was like, the paper was wet yesterday. It was sunny all day. It was bright and sunny all day. How did the paper get wet? I'm like, I don't know, Suzanne. I didn't ask her. She's like, what do you mean you didn't ask her? And I said, I, you know, I, she just yelled at me. And I, and she's like, and you just walked away? I said, yeah. She said, let's go. And she grabbed me by the arm. And she might have grabbed me by the ear. Uh, and she said, we're going back over there. I'm like, oh, no, Suzanne, no, I don't want to go. And again, I didn't want to confront something that was maybe wrong, right? I was a little afraid. And we went over there and she, and she knocked on the door and said, uh, you owe my brother 250. And the person's like, what are you talking about? And she said, you owe my brother 250. You didn't give him a tip this week. And she's like, yeah, but but the paper was wet. I told him that. She said, it didn't rain. Uh, it, you know, it didn't rain yesterday, lady. And I see your sprinkler here going off that got your, your stoop wet. That's not his fault. That's your fault. Give him the tip. And the lady was like, oh, I didn't think about the sprinkler, blah, 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 blah. And she wound up giving me $2. And here that was how many years ago, Suzanne? Almost 35 years ago. And I remember that today, always advocating to stand up for what was right, do what is right. When you're wrong, you're wrong. You admit it. When, when you're not wrong and someone accuses you of wrong, you got you to gotta stand up for yourself. You got to stand up for what's right. So I appreciate my parents giving us that lesson as well as Suzanne not only doing that in her professional and personal life, but also modeling that for me. Enough of me talking. Let's bring in the, the star of the show, uh, the first Marada. There she is, Suzanne Carbonero. Welcome to Education Leadership Beyond. Thank you so much for having me. You look fantastic, Suzanne. It's a pandemic. You look great. You know, you got to take care of yourself first. Otherwise, you can't take uh, care of others. That's what I always believe. So thank you for that compliment. I'm we're seven and a half miles in already today. Come on. We're, we're going to get into that about some of the things that you're doing to take care. But Suzanne, first question, what, you know, what did you think of that story? Do you remember that? Is that how it happened? And, uh, you know, tell me about your, your lens in that story. That's exactly how it happened. I mean, and, it, and you know, you're saying it and I'm like, I was just doing what was logical, right? I mean, sometimes we like try to, I don't know, maybe put too much into a decision. You got to think logically about what was going on. It didn't rain. Like, what are your facts? Like, stick to the facts. And you know what? You'll be able to solve a lot of problems. I think a lot of people bring in too many, too much baggage, too many outside pieces to it. There's no emotion here. You, you owe the kid 250 The kid did the job. It didn't rain. 
I mean, these are these are all facts. And in you, and, you know, you, you need to take ownership for that. At least she took ownership. And I, I think a lot of the problems that we have today is that people um, don't take ownership for the mistakes that they they make or the, um, you know, the changes that are happening so rapidly. There, there's no time to sort of reflect on well, why are we making that change? And we just kind of move so quickly. So, um, yeah, so I, I appreciate the story. And, and something about Suzanne, she did that for her younger brother, who she always looked out for, but she would have done that for a friend. She would have done that for a neighbor. She probably would have done that for a total stranger because it was wrong, and Suzanne corrected it wrong. So I appreciate that, Suzanne. But you're a long way from saving the paper boy now. You are the Director of Academic Partnerships at APHIS. Yes. Suzanne, that's a wide title. That means a lot of things. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your role at APHIS. Sure. So I spent a good portion of my life in higher education, not just going to school, but actually managing and leading assessment initiatives um, at various higher education institutions, it, basically in the Northeast. And I sort of came about assessment um, sort of by being in the right place at the wrong time, maybe. <laughs> no, but a lot of assessment professionals will say this was kind of given to me. I always had a savviness in technology, probably because I, I went to school um, upstate New York, SUNY Plattsburgh, and I was a, a mass media major. Um, and so I was, you know, shooting stories with like, uh, professional cameras and editing on editing equipment. So it always kind of came natural to me. Like I could see the process. I could see a story and what visuals I needed. And I think with assessment, I could see what evidence somebody needed in order to tell the story of the good work that they were doing at their institution. And so I fell into assessment and uh, that became a career, a career changer from television. So my first boss was Dick Clark. Uh, my dad was my boss, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did work at the drugstore. That's a different story for a different day. We all worked at the drugstore. We all worked at the drugstore. Uh, but I think, um, you know, my first boss being Dick Clark and just like growing up in, in the TV world really set me up to, um, I think, do well in assessment because you're managing people, you're writing a lot, you're organizing um, the collection of, of, of different data coming from different sources. And so I did that for a number of years at, at multiple institutions. I also was a, a faculty member. So I was on the front line of the teaching and learning um, that ultimately garnered the assessment. And uh, I liked it. And then I stumbled across APHIS um, because I was working for the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy as their director of assessment. And um, they had an accreditation that was looming and they had a lot of moving parts and a lot of faculty that were, um, you know, really engaged with uh, the changes to the curriculum, the changes to the pharmacy profession. You probably have seen a lot of those changes now that they're kind of spotlighted as part of this pandemic. Um, and so we, we were educating future pharmacists, um, but I needed a system that would connect all of the different types of assessment. So when you think of assessment, it's students demonstrating their ability to do something that's related to an outcome or a competency that they would ultimately perform in real life. So in pharmacy, we had 11 competencies. So those range from patient safety 
to patient counseling, to calculations, you have to be able to calculate the, you know, the, the, the clearance of the drug in the system and, and whatnot. So we had a lot of assessments that were all over the place and we needed something to centralize all of that data. Plus you also have what we call indirect assessments, so survey data, students saying how they feel about uh, their learning experiences. And we needed to be able to bring all that together. And I needed a system that would do that. And I needed it pretty much in a hurry. So I was hired in May and in October they were coming. So we needed to move quickly. And Avis seemed to be the ed tech company that was able to do what I needed to centralize all that assessment data. So Avis is a leading ed tech company that partners with higher education to improve learner success and empower authentic lifelong learning. And, that, and that's what we were doing. And so they, it was an integrated, it is an integrated um, assessment management software um, that would allow you to um, take a look at your data, uh, run reports on that data, look at the data in real time. And something that we're really proud of right now um, is the comprehensive learner record. So we are the first ed tech company to be certified um, IMS Global Certified in Comprehensive Learner Record, which means that's an interoperable record that uh, the data collects in real time due to you all digitizing your curriculum. And so now those outcomes, those 11 competencies, I'll use those, would now show up as evidence of meeting those competencies. Your, your original work and how you scored on the rubric and all that data goes up to this comprehensive learner record. And now you can share it with employers because again, it can be ingested by other HR systems, um, you know, handshake, you know, uh, you know, uh, for an employer and whatnot. So um, yeah, so that's what I do. And I, so I manage these partnerships. So folks that are interested in um, connecting their assessment processes, I'll talk to them, I'll give them some guidance. I'll work with our current partners to kind of advance their assessment processes. Had you considered this? I just got off a call with some partners out at Messiah University, which is in uh, the central part of the state of Pennsylvania. And mm -hmm. we, we chatted about a presentation that we're giving on um, data collection and workflows and actually getting stakeholders to contribute to the assessment processes and automating them in a system like APHIS. So that's essentially what I do. Nice. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of complex complex things in there. But if I'm Messiah University, if I'm St. John's University, mm -hmm. if I'm Duke University, mm -hmm. what is it about APHIS? What is it about you that I'm going to say, oh, yeah, I, I want to connect with her. I want to connect with the work they're doing. Give me some of the things that I say, oh, I want that. Yeah. So it's an all-in-one assessment management platform with integrated solutions that work together. So you have various types of assessment initiatives. You need to be able to do your curricular mapping. You need to be able to pull your assessment data from like your learning management system, like Canvas or Blackboard. You want that to be automated. Um, you wanna be able to um, collect data on your strategic plan. How are you meeting the needs of your learners? How are you meeting the mission statement that you have on on your website? Like what's the data that backs that up? Um, how are all of your programs collecting data on your institutional outcomes? Maybe those six things that you say you're going to be able to do for students, critical thinking and communication and clinical decision-making, depending on the kind of institution that you're in. Um, 
So you need to be able to pull all that data together. So if I'm Duke University, if I'm St. John's University, I need something that helps to streamline this because what's mm -hmm. happening now is there's pockets of this happening. So I'm collecting this on Excel and this in this SharePoint drive and this on this Pearson product and this in Canvas. And I have no place to kind of con to connect that. APHIS connects all of that together, pulls the information about your students from your student information system, and then all of your direct assessment allows you to do course evaluations. So now, I mean, at the highest level, I have an integrated process now. I can consolidate other processes that are sort of one-offs. Um, I can digitize my curriculum and assessment processes and ultimately, um, you know, add efficiency and provide value to my students because comprehensive learner record becomes the value added. It brings everything together automatically for students so that they can share it to employers. And then as an institution, I can tote that these students got these jobs at these high performing kind of organizations. Yeah. Fantastic, Suzanne. And I love the title. Uh, you know, I really love the title. Suzanne, one of the aspects when you started there is you were traveling around, you were in Texas, yep. you were in a number of different states. And, you know, uh, us Marathas were blessed and were cursed with a lot of energy. You were presenting in, 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 in front of people, again, people feeling that New York Italian energy. Tell me, Suzanne, how have you adjusted now that you're remote, that you're through a screen? How are you adjusting your presentations and channeling that energy through the computer? Yeah, and I start really early in the morning. So um, I know you'll ask me this question, but I, I start earlier than my work day so that I can be ready for that. But uh, yeah, I traveled all over the country. So we would have a conference sort of uh, roadmap of all the different conferences that we would go to. We also visited institutions. So last February, for instance, right around this time, I was at Texas A&M uh, University in College Station for a whole week. Uh, we engaged in a conference on high impact practices, but then we met with different departments, uh, their vet school and uh, their nursing programs and, and whatnot, and their institutional effectiveness office to kind of like build and roadmap their, their plans for assessment the next year. So how did I do it? Well, when the pandemic hit, I think the very last thing that I, I uh, conference that I went to was actually in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the T3 network, which is part of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and we were talking about comprehensive learner record and interoperable learning records. And I came home and then everything was shut down. So we're talking that first, second week of March, right around March 10th. Uh, I kind of remember it was like a terrible thing. It was Friday the 13th. It was uh, spring ahead, right? And then uh, it was a full moon, if I recall. So it was those, that, that, the trifecta. So um, right away, one of the things when I was hired at APHIS was that we wanted to develop um, a teaching and learning site, a social site where assessment leaders and higher education administrators and faculty could connect beyond the conferences because you you know and many of your viewers know like it, these conferences are like one and done professional development. I mean, you you got to carry that energy with you and hopefully make an impact with what you learn at these conferences. And then oftentimes we don't get a chance to do that. Other things get in the way. Well, I wanted a place where people would come together all the time and then the conversation was continuous. 
So we escalated the social site, which is now called APHIS Academy, aphisacademy.org. Anybody can join it. It's a free site. We have over 1,100 members from across the, the country. And um, we will do different events. We will provide guides and assistance. Um, we have best practices from various folks who are um, doing some really innovative things. So the live events are also recorded so then they're on demand. So they're part of a library of different on-demand resources. Uh, we have blogs that are authored by people all over the country. Um, and so it's like a real communities of practice where folks come together to learn, teach, collaborate, and innovate with one another. They can learn about APHIS, but they can learn about, more importantly, I think, assessment practices that make sense, that make sustainable uh, assessment work happening so that you're ultimately really leveraging student success and, um, you know, using that to improve your processes and improve your learning, your teaching and learning for your students, which is what it's all about, right? So it, it's really great. So we have folks from University of Kentucky, folks from uh, out in California, uh, you know, University of Nebraska Medical College, um, University of Wisconsin-Madison, uh, wow. Lots of institutions, R1 institutions, community colleges are all part of this um, online aphisacademy.org. So uh, that's what we did. So that became our conferences. So we kept doing it. But then when uh, different conferences started to go virtual, our exhibit booth was Aphis Academy. Yeah. Or they came to us and said, hey, could you host these events? Nice. We, have a, we have a yoga instructor on our staff. He happens to be our operations person. So we started to do APHIS virtual yoga. Why not? And so now we had yoga. Well, he's a yogi. Why not do it? So it was like we were doing some really neat things and really drawing off the talent of our um, our staff. Nice. And it is a great site. And uh, definitely check that out. You got some of your fans watching here. Maureen has joined us. Hello, Maureen, uh, our, our other sister here. Uh, Suzanne, you mentioned about early morning, uh, you know, the, the running um, you know, you are a go-getter. You are a successful person. What would you say are a couple of go-tos for you of best practices for yourself? I told you how good you look here. You're clearly taking care of yourself. But what are some of your go-tos uh, in, in terms of getting your rest, waking up early, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So uh, I tend to wake up early because I want to get things started. And I do a lot of reflection at the end of the day, which helps to set up the uh, the next day. So uh, I like to um, jot down notes. We use a, an internal um, communication channel called Slack. So I actually type Slack messages to myself. So I remember what I want to do. And I try to set up my desk for success the next day. So I know what I'm going to be doing. I also like to manage my calendar. Everything is on my digital calendar. So I know but one of the things I do that I highly suggest is you've got to, especially if you're working remotely, or even if you're going back to the office, you need to block time on your calendar for yourself. So that means going for a walk to kind of step away, uh, clearing your head. For me, it might mean um, going for a run first thing in the morning, um, knowing that I start early, I might start 8, 830 um, and I go all day, I need to find a time that, that I can get in my runs because that makes me feel better. And I need to be able to get my rest. So I don't want to stay up all night. So I tend to go to sleep early knowing that everything is kind of settled for that day. I mean, it wouldn't be worse. You're actually, 
do you put the running in the calendar? Yeah, it's in there. The, the, running, the running is in the calendar. The 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 exercise is in the calendar. And I've gotten a lot of my other associates doing the same thing. So they're practicing the same thing. If you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of others. If you don't feel good about yourself, how could you feel good or have energy around others? So that's that's really important. And you know what? You got to get up and get dressed and and wash your face and brush your hair. I mean, I see so many people on Zoom, they're like, I feel bad for them. Like I want to help them, but you need to do those things. Like, like because you need to be ready for success at all times. I've heard some other runners, they say, have the sneakers right there, have the they're shorts wrong. right there, out of bed right there, and then boom off your Lay out your clothes the night before. I dress in layers, so I'm ready to go. So as soon as I'm off, I can go for, I, ran for, I went for a run at noon today. In the middle of the well, day, I didn't even need a, to eat lunch. I went for a run. Twenty. I went. Was, I was gone for twenty minutes. Came back. Done. It was a beautiful day today, too. Finally, the sun came out. Mm -hmm. But another thing you did for you and your family, uh, I was so happy to hear. We have a Ruby in our life, but yeah. you you added a Rudy to your family. Maybe yeah. she's. Oh, he's there. He's there. I I, I'm trying to figure out. He's mm -hmm. actually. Oh, Br bring him up. Go get him. Oh, he's Go get him. Not, I, I, I shouldn't do that. He's Go get him. Rudy, we'll come here. Come here, Rudy. Come, come on. Here, Rudy. Come here, Rudy. We want to see Rudy on the show. Grammy wants to see him. All right, all right. So, I, I, all right, I'm getting him. That means I'm getting up from my seat. Yes, it's right. okay. Right. I'll fill all the right. dead You skin. can see my pants here. Let's see. Oh, here he is. Okay. He's coming in. Here he is. This, yeah. is, this is Rudy. Rudy is uh, an, about a seven-month-old pomapoo, which is a Pomeranian and toy poodle mix. And he's named after Rudy Rudiker from Notre Dame uh, because he, first of all, has got kind of like the golden color. But secondly, he's like a little guy that, that I think pa packs a powerful punch. He's a, he's a nice dog and a, and a sweet dog. Yeah, he is cute. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what was that decision, right? I mean, it changes your family. Changes your whole family. So my daughter went to school um, in August during the, amidst this pandemic, right? Caitlin, James Madison University, it, little shout out. Caitlin is at James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. We got to see the institution two weeks before the shutdown. Thank God. So it was meant to be. And uh, for those of you that have kids that are in middle school, maybe they're in elementary school, maybe they're now in, in high school and they're thinking about college. Let me tell you something. When your kid packs up, and you know what? I, I see Denise Dix there. When your kid packs up and goes to college and leaves your house, it is an emptiness like you will never feel. And I was empty. Now, during the pandemic, Caitlin and I were looking for dogs. Like she's like, mom, we had a cat for years. Her name was Lily. God rest her soul. She was a lovely cat. Um, I think you called him her flutter or flubber. Flubby. Flubby. Poor thing. Um, she had seen a tummy tuck, but she, uh, she passed away from natural causes. And then we had nothing and it was sort of sad. And um, Caitlin's like, well, this is the time to get the dog. And my sister and I had a very bad dog sort of, uh, situation in our early years that neither one of us wanted anything to do with any sort of animals. Um, 
And uh, so I was like, no, I don't know. I don't know. And then finally, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to start really looking. So we started to look and then we would miss out. And long story short, that week she goes and I get a text that this dog is available. And I'm like, I'm not telling anybody because if that dog's not available and then I, so I called them up. I said, I'm coming from New Jersey. Is this dog available? And they said, yes. And they, and I said, all right, will you text me? Here's my number. If somebody comes and adopts this dog, it's going to take me three hours to get there. Please just have the common courtesy to tell me. And I got there and you know me, I come in with a big entrance. Right. And I said, hi. And they, oh, you're from New Jersey. I said, yeah. And they said, oh, here's the dog. And they handed me him. And that was just it. And, and that was the I told Caitlin, she goes, oh, great. So you got a dog when I went away. And I said, well, <laughs> the dog has got your soul in it. And I will tell you, when my daughter came home for Thanksgiving, that dog went running to that to my young lady like that was his long lost sister or cousin. And, and he, she's like, well, how did he know? I said, he knew. So beautiful. He's a beautiful dog. I look forward to him meeting Ruby and uh, they, they can be cousins there uh, playing. Suzanne, I opened the show with a, a story about you and there's a lot of stories I could share. And I recently learned of one that, that I didn't know. And you actually wrote it as an excerpt in my, in my upcoming yeah. book here, you know, called The Partnership. Um, but you talked about overcoming a fear from when you were younger. Can you, can you tell that story a little bit and, and what that meant to you about overcoming struggles and fears later on in your life? Yeah, you don't know when you're seven years old that you're like going through a situation, a, a learning experience, a teachable moment that's that you're going to be able to draw from. You, you're just going through something. Right. And so when I was seven, um, we my sister and I had not. And I guess my brother, you maybe were just about born, maybe not quite yet. Um and my our other brother was born and I um, was invited to a ritzy person's house. I'll leave it that way with a, so hell, baby. In, in an ingrown in an in-ground pool. And I didn't know anything about swimming. We never, yeah, we never seen an in-ground pool. We never pool. seen we an in-ground pool. We didn't know what the heck that was. I mean, we we had, you know, we 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 lived a very uh, simple life. Um we went to the beach, but it wasn't like anything special. Anyway, I go in the pool like I can swim. Well, I can't swim. And so I actually was under the water. And I remember what that felt like, like not being able to breathe, being under the water, not being able to do anything. You were just sinking to the bottom of the pool. <laughs> and instead of my parents letting me run away from that, I mean, sure, they you know brought me to like someone to talk to, a counselor or whatever. They kept saying, you're going to another party. Uh, we did go to Lakewood um, and I didn't go in that water, Denise, um, for quite some time because I was afraid. And but they they would make me go to pool parties. And I would sit there in a the chair and not go in the water. But I, it was devastating, like I didn't want to even go. And then I remember going to the beach one summer and I started to feel a little bit better. And then my mother and father enrolled all of us, Mr. Simon got, I, I don't know if he's still alive. The info, he was an Olympic swimmer and he taught us all to swim. And I fell in love with swimming and I conquered that fear. And I, I mean, to this day, I mean, I, you know, I can swim. I I'm in the ocean. 
Lions Pool Swimming Lessons in Tompkinsville, New York, Staten Island. Uh, yep. And, and it was, we all went and, but we learned how to swim. And I'll tell you what, it, that transferred to my kids learning how to swim at a very young age. I wouldn't, I won't tolerate somebody that doesn't know how to swim because I'm, I don't want them to have that fear. I don't want them to go in that kind of situation. And when my kids go in the ocean, they go in the ocean far when they were little and the lifeguards were going in the water to get them, but they were never afraid because they could swim. Sure. Yeah. And that our parents taught us to overcome a lot, and, and you certainly have come a long way from there. Suzanne, we're, we're running out of time. We could do a marathon of the show together. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you about one more passion before we get to uh, the rapid fire, sure. and that's baseball, right? Yeah. You write for the uh, uh, the Bleeding Yankee Blue blog. Mm -hmm. Check her out uh, there, the Bleeding Yankee Blue blog. Suzanne, this show is about leadership. The show is about family. The show is about so many things. Give me some of the leadership points that come from the game of baseball that you think are important that us leaders could use that you take away from baseball. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the first things that you need to do as a manager or as a leader is you need to respect the people that you're working with and you need to build a trust with them. And that doesn't happen overnight. Um, so you've got to be out there doing the work with them. You've got to be, if you're going to say you're going to do these drills, you need to be out there with them. You need to be doing the drills too. And as a leader in my own company, I don't assign things to the people that work for me that I'm not doing myself. So we're all in it together. The other thing is you need to um, give people opportunities to make mistakes and redeem themselves because they've put in the work. They, and they are now performing at a higher level. I see that with the Yankees all the time, quite frankly. they giving uh, – Gary Sanchez probably way too many chances in my book, um, if you read my blog. But at the end of the day, they there's a trust and they believe in that person. So I think you've got to be able to communicate and, and um, you know, build that camaraderie with folks. You've got to be able to earn the trust. Trust is something that we earn and don't take for granted. And I think you need to be out there demonstrating, role modeling the work and doing it yourself, because otherwise, you know, you're just not going to have the credibility as a leader. And I think you need to consider, you know, the whole idea of distributive leadership. It means that, you know, you're not just sitting there saying, do this, do this, or making decisions in isolation. You're collaborating with that team that you built trust with. Um, and giving them the opportunity to make mistakes and just use those as teachable moments. So those are all a few things I would suggest. And definitely check out her writing. Uh, I love it. Bleeding Yankee Blue. She's very passionate. <laughs> Jay Billy is a big fan of yours with your Yankees. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, Suzanne, before we get to rapid fire, was yeah. there anything else you wanted to share? You're, you're a parent. You're an educator. This is a, a hard time. People have kind of done you know with this but what can you offer for uh, maybe people that are listening uh just again about education or where we are right now i mean i think the pandemic has certainly caused us all to pause and really think about our life think about what's important in our life be grateful for what you have tiger woods was in a terrible car accident last night and I, when i was running today i said to myself in an instant things could change it's not about fault. It's not about you know what. It's about this happened. And when I was running, I was saying, "Wow, the man couldn't even stand last night." So, 
don't take things for granted. Be grateful for what you have today, for your gift of movement. If you're a runner, if you're, you're active in sports, if you exercise, your gift for family and relationships. Don't go to bed angry. Try to figure out how you can solve whatever that problem is and confront people like you said in the beginning. You've got to confront things. I mean, a conflict is difficult, but if you can manage it and you're honest and you can confront um, and have a, a, a good discussion with people, I think that will carry you a long way. Take breaks for yourself, step away from Zoom, go for a walk, get some fresh air, eat good food, make sure that you're nourished so that you can be better for others. Amen, Suzanne. Well said. Let's get to rapid fire. I'm sure you have an amazing dinner planned. I always, I love seeing your pictures on Instagram yeah. of your your healthy meals there. You got a nice, nice color is always really, really good. Uh, but thank you for sharing that, Suzanne. That was sure. well said. Yeah. All right. These are rapid fire, Suzanne. These are quick answers here. I don't want the long version. No. Quick. All right. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Last book you read. Live Your Excellence by Jimmy Cassis. You let you, Jimmy, if you're watching, Suzanne wants a little one-on-one -on -one conference here. Yeah, I need to have you on APHIS Academy or I'll just have a conversation with you. And did you read Culturized too? Oh, Wendy? yeah. Culturized yeah. was yeah terrific. Both of them uh, made such a difference on my life. Jimmy's a down-to-earth leader. Uh, he's a great guy. We were supposed to have him come to Port Jervis. I was coming. Last movie you saw. Soul. Wasn't that awesome? It was really good. It was really good. I enjoyed that. Favorite place to travel? Chicago. My personal best marathon and the University of Notre Dame is right there. And so you can do both in the same trip. Mm -hmm. You've traveled a lot, Suzanne. Give me a, give me a top three. We'll expand a little oh, bit. Oh, thanks. Chicago for sure. And I'm going to nest Notre Dame in there because I do those usually together. Um, Savannah. Oh, yeah. Georgia. Oh, yeah. And you won't believe this, but you will because you know I created such an affiliation. Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. How could you not like uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Suzanne, did you become a little bit of a Cubs fan by being out there in, in Chicago? In Chicago? Oh, yeah. yes. Because you can see the Cubs are harmless to me because they're not in my American League. So I like the Cubs. I took a picture in front of the. Uh, the, the Ivy, which is a, a great picture. I'll have to share that with you. But yeah, I, 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 I listen, I root for the home team, except for the Red Sox. I don't ever root for the Red Sox. But I do root for the home team as long as they're not going to interfere with the Yankees winning. <laughs> Suzanne, you shared a lot of passions today. What's a pet peeve of yours? What's something that gets under your skin? No, you missed most interesting place. I need to share that with you. Oh, you were right. You're following along. I think, sure. you know. And okay. my mother is on this call. Yes, I love Long Beach Island. Absolutely. But that's not a destination, Denise. That's a part of my lifestyle. Um, most interesting place I've ever been is the Great Salt Lake in Utah and going to sunset with my mother. I will never forget that. Most interesting place I've ever been. Really? Yeah. Is, I want to, can I, I don't want to, is there, can I ask a dumb question? I know there's no dumb question. Is the Great Salt Lake, like in Salt Lake City? Is New, that Utah, true? yeah. Yeah, okay. Salt Lake City, Utah. It's amazing. What made, what made it so interesting? It's just the way that, that the sun went down. It's almost like a 360 and, and it's just, there's such interesting wildlife there and um, you can walk on the rocks. It, it was just astounding. 
That wasn't like your check-in in Minnesota. No, the check-in <laughs> in Minnesota. That was a fun trip, but no, that check-in in Minnesota. We don't, we don't have your hotel room. What do you mean you don't have? It was so bad. Well, other than not being able to check in your hotel, what's a pet peeve of yours? Lateness. Mm. I can't tolerate it. You need to, failure to prepare is preparing to fail. I love running because, fill in the blank. Fills my soul with positivity. Mm, nice. After a live presentation, mm -hmm. when they're filtering out of the room, mm -hmm. what are you hoping the people are saying? This is really helpful. I can't wait to try it out. Nice. Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life? Kayak rental when my daughter went to college. I remember- I, I, In Harrisonburg, Virginia? No, no. After that, I dropped her off and then I went oh. off my, my friend's cabin and I rented a kayak um, and I, I was on the water by myself for like two hours in this kayak and I just fell in love. It was just such a nice, tranquil experience. And remember, yeah. I'm afraid of the water. Well, I was. Uh, so, I, 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 you know, it didn't matter that I was out there and it was very calming. So that, a kayak rental, mm -hmm. best thing yeah. I could do. I agree. Yeah. I wrote a blog from this summer when I was out on the Finger Lakes with a, a, a kayak there. Beautiful. Yeah. Something about Suzanne Carbonero that people do not know about. So I struggled with reading aloud. So uh, it was like I would stutter on the words. And so I had to practice that. And then maybe that's why I thought I could conquer it and become a journalist. And I was a journalist. Uh, and so, yeah. I don't know if you knew that, but I was called out of class because I was struggling to read aloud. Did you identify with that movie, The King's Speech, then? Did Absolutely. You, yeah, that yeah, was a great Yeah, I know. Actually, do you all know James Earl Jones has a speech impediment? Wow. Iconic voice, right? Absolutely. So there's and strategies. You, you use strategies to, to get through it. Well, and you exude confidence also, Suzanne, in, mm -hmm. in everything you do. So that was... Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. This is a big one, Suzanne. I don't know how long you thought about it. Uh, you know, best Yankee of all time. That's easy. That's an easy question. Yogi Berra. Really? Favorite, different. You said best. I yeah. say Yogi Berra because if you look at his statistics, the number of games played, that he was healthy, that he had a great batting average, you can't help but say, that's a guy that kept everybody in line. What a good player. Favorite Yogi Berra quote. Baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. <laughs> the best leadership lesson from the drugstore. You mentioned the drugstore earlier. Oh. Your father owned a drugstore. This was not in the question list. That's okay. Leadership lesson from the drugstore. <sighs> Don't spend all your money on lotto. Yes. <laughs> there were people that couldn't pay their bills, but they were paying $50, $60 on lotto. One, two, five. I remember, I remember daddy trying to talk him out of it, too. Oh, Stop yeah. wasting your money. Stop. It's a waste of money. Yeah. I don't ever chip in those pools where people say, oh, let's chip in. Let's buy those. There. I don't ever do it. I watch the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mine is like, be kind to people. Like, daddy, there were yeah. so many people that came in there that. You know, how much stuff he gave away and just how many people were rude and just, you know, being kind say, to who walks through the door. Yeah, he would say they need it more than me. 
That's true. Alex Trebek means to you. Well, can I, I how much time? I got to tell you a very funny thing. For, for Alex Trebek, 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 Alex Trebek, he's a generational gentleman. Okay. He is somebody that everybody can relate to. My nephew, James, who's like one and a half, I think. Yeah. Two, maybe now two, two. I'm, I'm 52. So he's two. Uh, we're born in November. Uh, but anyway, yeah, two. Uh, could relate to Alex Trebek. My son, who's 23, can relate to Alex Trebek. And every night, my mother and I watch it virtually. So generational gentlemen. Um, but funny story, Plattsburgh, New York, you know, Je Jeopardy's in syndication. So you can go to a different state, watch it at a different time. We watch it in New York at seven. Uh, but, you know, you could go somewhere else in Plattsburgh and be on at 530, which it was on at 530 when I was a freshman at Plattsburgh State. So I wanted my father to feel like he was getting a good investment and a good return on his investment for the college dollars that I used to watch it. Now they would go to the dining hall and be like, no, 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 I, listen, I just need to watch from 555 <laughs> to six. That's it. Then I'll go to the, and so I would go 555. I would watch it, get the answer to final jeopardy <laughs> and then call at 725 with the answer. And he was, he was, he had no idea. I let this go on for like two, three weeks. And then I finally, I, the guilt will always get to me. I said, dad, you know, it's on, it's in syndication. Do you know what that means? I'm learning this in school. Let me explain it to you. And yeah, isn't that funny? Oh, so funny. <laughs> it was like the hardest questions. I'd be like, oh yeah, Luxembourg. Yeah. You know, easy, easy. Dad. Was, and we're studying that. <laughs> Story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she knows. Suzanne, best COVID advice uh, that you would give to others and that you live yourself. Yeah, balance. Um, you really need to take care of, you heard me say it several times, take care of you so you can take care of others. So that means you need to have good work-life balance and you really need to add that structure. So if you're going to put, you're going to go running, like you need to commit to it, put it in writing, put it on your calendar. And don't let people infiltrate your personal time. That's your time. Awesome. Suzanne, you shared a great quote from Yogi. What's a quote you can end us here with? This is the best one. You ready? So another, uh, I'm reading her book now, or she's got several books out. Brene Brown, big fan. If you're not in the arena also getting your at kicked, I am not interested in your feedback. I heard her say that on the on the Netflix special. Mm -hmm. Right, it's, we worry too much about other people's opinion. You, if you're not out there getting your butt kicked with me, keep quiet. Yeah, I agree, Suzanne. You did a great job. How can people reach out to you? How can they find you? I know you're very active on Twitter. How sure. can they reach out? Yeah, so I'm at Susie Prof. I think you had it up there. Um, you can see it going across the screen now. So feel free to connect with me on Twitter, LinkedIn. You can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. If that's where you are now, you can you can friend me. I tend to, but my professional, it would be definitely get me at Susie Prof. Join apisacademy.org um, and I can connect with you there, especially if you're looking for some best practices, skills, you're working on skills recognition with upskilling your, um, I know you work with a lot of CTE programs, career and technical. Uh, you know, so there's a lot to be said about like, uh, you know, skills recognition and, and those kinds of skills record that are interoperable. 
happy to talk to you about how you can kind of bring comprehensive learner record to your institution. So at Suzy Prof or, uh, you know, find me on apesacademy.org. Suzanne Carbonero, everyone. Suzanne, you did a great job as usual. This is your second time around. One more shout out for my uh, mastermind coaching groups. They're starting up in April. I hope uh, you can come join me. I'm at Andrew Murata 21 on Twitter. This was show number 156. We are going to sign off here. Suzanne, stay on the line. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Denise, Maureen, uh, Dory, for watching. Here we go.